Shazan, did I give you a title I gave you? What did I, what did I say? Good concepts crowd. Why did I say that? <laughs> so when concepts or thinking, our thinking process crowds out or crowds our, our consciousness, our, pushes away the very intelligence, the very insight that is manifesting all the time as our, in our tradition we say in our Buddha nature, our, our awakened nature. Our awakened nature is completely springing forth all the time. You could say it's not actually springing forth so much as it is, as it is receiving and receiving and receiving, receiving everything, everywhere, all the time, everything without distinction. And the con conceptual mind that crowds, crowds that aside, pushes it aside, manipulates it, gets it out of the way, is based on fear. And it's based on uh, hoping things will get, will get better and fear that they're going to get worse, basically said. So the conceptual mind is it's it's a good tool, but people tend to overuse it. They tend to, when we're overusing the conceptual mind, what do we call that? An opinion. Opinions are uh, dead. They're dead. They have no life. We're not saying they they might not help in some way, but not much. If you have to back into an opinion on something, you've just renounced your intelligence. I'm not talking about the kind that. Uh, intelligence that adds and subtracts or uh, particularly analyzes in a simple way. I'm talking about the kind of intelligence that sees clearly. You've given up on it. I mean, we can be we can be scared, afraid, uh, and uh, frightened back into some kind of a more conservative approach to everything. We, we all know someone who functions in this way. Maybe it's your parents, Maybe it's your child, maybe it's your neighbor, maybe it's your employer or your coworkers who is, they're so tied up in their, in their, their knot of who they are, what they are, what, what they think, and what people, who, who's right, who's wrong, on and on and on. Very rare to, my, to meet someone who is open. When I say open, just open. That they're not immediately coming at you with their ideas, their opinions, their judgments. And sometimes they'll even try to draw those out of you because they feel very uncomfortable if all you do is do what? Receive. Have you noticed? Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. If someone is talking a lot and you're just listening and you're not nodding your head, no affirmation, you're just looking at them. And, and you're, you're not doing anything other than you're just really listening to what they're saying. You're listening to every word. This can make a person very self-conscious and make them nervous. And they might even stop and say, well, what do you think about what I'm thinking? And then you might say, hmm, sounds good. No, no, no. I mean, what, what is your opinion? What do you think? What, what do you think about it? And sometimes people can even get aggressive and, and accuse you of something you're not doing at all. You're just kind of hanging out, listening. You're being uh, generous to them by letting them talk. And you may be agreeing or disagreeing on some level, but it's not worth coming forward with some kind of... Uh, crazy argument about it. We get very nervous if we're not reinforced, if we're not verified or validated. We don't get some kind of mini credential from everyone we talk to. And if you don't give uh, that to someone, quite often, if they're really afraid, they'll start giving you a credential. You're, uh, you're self-centered. You, uh, you're not very cooperative. Uh, you won't communicate. This is a big one. Any of you who are in any kind of relationship, this is quite often what you get from your mate. If you're finally just you're tired of fighting with them, you just decide that maybe I just listen to them for a while. 
And you do that, and then because you're a mate, I'm not saying this always happens to you, but a few of you might recognize this. Your mate will say, so what do you think? You say, sounds all right. Come on now, you know, don't hold out. We need to communicate. Why won't you communicate with me? This always happens. Why won't you communicate? People don't really want you to communicate the way you're communicated. They want to manipulate your communication so that your communication fits in with their idea of what communication is about, which is basically about supporting their ideas and their opinions, validating them. A lot of self-centeredness, a lot of self-interest, a lot of supporting self. It's called a, a traditional term for this is ego. And I'd like to say we don't have to get rid of our ego. We don't have to find our ego and throw it away or get rid of it or even step around it or do anything with it. Ego is basically unreal. It is not true. But that has to be seen for you to make any, shall we say, um, inroads into how the mind works and how we tend to deceive ourselves about just about everything. This is why there's a spiritual path. And you have the mundane path, which is a number of things, learning how to bowl, learning how to uh, build uh, bridges, learning how to do calculus, learning how to build rocket ships, cars, learning, 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 accumulating knowledge about this, about that, and having more and more success, more and more progress uh, uh, in something. That's the mundane path, cause and effect, taking advantage of cause and effect and strategizing yourself in such a way that you get the kind of muscles you need. They may be mental muscles, they may be physical muscles. The spiritual path is about seeing what this is, what this, what this is. In other words, human life. What, what is a human life? You suddenly showed up on your mother's doorstep, so to speak, and you're given a name and you're helpless. <laughs> you probably didn't do that. And you're just kind of a ball of human, little tiny person. And you're trained, you're immediately indoctrinated into what it means to be a person, what you should believe, what you shouldn't do, what you should do, how you should act. What's grandma going to think? What's grandma going to think? I mean, what a terrible thing to ask a child, like, turn him into a little tiny philosopher. Let's see. <laughs> what is grandma going to think? Thinking? <laughs> but we do that. It's like the, the old one you've heard. Now, now you spill something, and then your parent may say, of course, I was born a long time ago, so maybe your parents didn't say this, but now why did you do that? I mean, asking somebody why they had an accident, it's an uh, existential crisis for a six-year-old. They don't know what to do about that. And they don't know why. They, they could go into something like, well, I think I reached for that, and then my fingers slipped, gravity pulled it down, you know. If you said that to my mother, she'd knock you across the room for being sarcastic. No, she wouldn't. She'd threaten, but she wouldn't do it. So the, the idea with concepts clouding things is we, what happens is we get trapped in our thought process about something. And we come up with what? Opinions, beliefs, thinking something is true without even investigating it. If you actually investigate something and totally all the way to the back, all the way through it, you'll either know it's true or you won't, still won't know whether it's true or false, but you won't necessarily jump to a conclusion based on belief or disbelief. You won't do anything with it, particularly. Just let it be there. 
So this doesn't mean that we can't use our thought process to help us to figure things out, to understand things, to communicate. We do it all the time. We use concepts constantly. We name things. We manipulate ideas and concepts continuously. But it's when it when it gets into the area of clouding our understanding of what's in front of us. The idea, the th example I use quite often is if you want to know someone who's operating out of concepts, uh, think of the last person that you talked to. It might be your mate. It might be your mom or dad or brother or sister. Something, it could be anybody, someone you just met. And you'll notice that some people, when they're talking to you, are, even though they're talking and they're interacting with you and you're interacting with them, but you, you, something about them, you know that they're actually not looking at you. They don't really know who. They don't really, you don't get the feeling they know you. You've, they're looking at their idea of you. This is how they might look. You can see that they're looking at you, but they're actually they're talking to someone that they think is you, which is concept. They have a concept about you, and that's what they talk to. You might even come in and actually say, you know, I'm not, I'm not really like that's not, not really like that. I don't really feel that way or believe that way. And then they might move it around. They might have a conversation with you, probably somewhat one-sided. If you have questions about this, uh, I'm, I'm more than happy. Yes, Shoto. How can we work with concepts clearly? So how can we work with concepts clearly? We have to see that they're concepts. We don't have to get rid of them. We don't want to get rid of our thinking process, but when the thinking process starts being used as some kind of a cover-up, because we're, uh, we all have a fear of looking into just this open dimension of being, this open dimension of being is w without any guarantees of anything. And from the point of view of ego, it's dangerous because it's dangerous to be alive. We all know someone, or we did know someone who was uh, three weeks ago was alive. And now they're not, or maybe it's four weeks ago, but we know something like that that was just out of the blue, as they say, and they're gone because of a car accident, sickness, and so on. More? Are all concepts cloudy? Somewhat. Unless you see that it's a concept, if it's very crystal clear that it's a concept. And it could be something like a judgment. It could be a concept about someone that you're talking to that you see that they're, they're operating out of fear. So there's a concept there that that shows up as referring to that, but you're very clear that it is a, a concept that refers to something. It's not it's not that. It's like I sometimes say you can't you can't really eat a menu. But some people live in their concepts so much that if they were if they had to do that with their whole life, they they would starve to death because they would be eating menus instead of the food. Yes, sir. Uh best way to determine the difference between our true and false beliefs? So um, I usually don't use the word belief. Um, I use, uh, uh, if you believe something or disbelieve something, both of those are missing the, the point. But the best way to do this, and I'm very biased when it comes to this, I wouldn't go so far as to say I believed it. I'd be going too far. <laughs> but I'm very biased about saying to everyone here, based on my own life experience, which is quite extensive, as is obvious, or maybe not, train your mind. And what do we do? We train the mind. We're, we're, we're in training. Uh, the same thing that happens when you're, when you're living your life, you're watching TV, you're in training. It's sometimes called hypnosis. You're in training your attention onto uh, the movie you're watching, Netflix, um, Fox News. We're all watching Fox News, of course. 
So you're watching that. So you're entrained. You're not what, what happened. It's a, it's a very interesting, subtle kind of ignorance. Anytime you're looking at something, as soon as, as long as I look at that screen, I'm ignoring everything else. If you're aware that you're doing that, then there's a, then the, uh, the awareness uh, takes on a deeper level because you're actually are observing something at the same time you're noticing other things in motion that you don't see quite as clearly. You see them cloudy. Seeing something cloudy is, listen, clarity. If you see something that is cloudy, you're clear about the cloudiness. That's how it begins. And the way you, if I say it this way, the way you would endeavor to do that, sit down, hold still. It's called meditation. Sit down, hold still, and watch what moves. Watch what the mind does. If you watch what the mind does, eventually you will see that there is a consciousness that is watching this. We don't really notice that at first. It's just we watch what's happening. We watch the thoughts come, the thoughts go. We get bored, we get happy, we get sad. But we're always being entrained or, or sucked into some kind of focus on something. If it gets really intense, something can happen over here and we don't even notice it at all because we're so focused on what's happening in front of us. Dallas? Is safety a relative truth? Safety? Yes. Further? Do you have anything further on that question? Shaza? Um, I was wondering how much of our suffering is rooted in our concepts and our thinking process. And I was thinking about today how much difficulty I was having. I wasn't threatened, I wasn't in pain, but how much of that is just coming out of the thinking about it? Yeah. So, very much. And it's, so it's not, as you know, as we've talked about before, and quite a few of us, it's not about getting rid of that. That's a, that's a misunderstanding. We, the, the misunderstanding is we think that if something is difficult or painful or challenging uh, or scary or whatever it may be, it's not about making that stop and having this blissful blue sky life for the rest of you know, this, uh, what we call in Buddhism, a heaven realm from now on. It's about working with everything that arises as not being separate from it. You're not separate from the aggression. If you try to get away from that, then that causes more tension and we end up being at war with our own minds. So, and we went through some similar kinds of things today with building inspectors and things we're trying to do here. It's very aggravating to interact with people who are absolutely out of their minds or crazy and they're not uh, the three, I have something called the three C's, communicate, cooperate, collaborate. So you can't collaborate and you can't cooperate unless you communicate. And if you're operating out of fear or the desire to control everything because of this fear, then it's going to be very difficult to cooperate with with someone who is crazy or it has a motive to control you and everything else around them because that makes them feel less afraid. Quite often we know someone, we probably all know someone, maybe someone who actually has a big say-so about your life and they're, uh, it's a very interesting to have someone who has a lot of say-so about your life that respects you and wants to protect you and, and encourages you to live your life and be genuine and be open and learn and someone who who is actually wants to uh, control you and stop you and prevent you and will all the time say to you they're doing it for your own good no they're not they're doing it because they want to be in control of you because that makes them feel secure if they can control you that must mean they have some power so they're more secure happens all the time and there are variations on that where it's not quite so intense yes 
A question from Jim Johnson up in Muskegon. Yes, James. He asks, when we begin to see that we are engaging with concepts, how do we then skillfully work with that? You don't have to do anything extra. If you see that you're that concepts are coming in and and you're you're clamping down on those or you're, it depends on how you're using those. If you're using those to further or justify some kind of feeling or emotion, you don't have to do much with it. Question? Sent you. Earlier you mentioned just receiving. Yes. When somebody is talking yes. to you, just listening um, and maybe not validating them with yes. uh, gestures. So my tendency is to validate while I'm listening yeah, like, and just nodding mm -hmm. or yeah. <laughs> leaning so, forward. And then they'll, they'll mistake in that for you agree with them and you say, so you see what I'm saying? Not really. You know, how do you feel about it? Actually, I think you're crazy. I'm just trying to be friendly. So I'm wondering if that's the tendency and they're not receiving. Again, again, please, a little bit more. Um, with that being a tendency, am I not receiving? Yeah, you're not receiving. Yeah, very good, very good. Yeah, you're not receiving. Did you follow what she said? She's saying, would, uh, so let's say Seto is t telling me something, I'm looking at her and she's... Uh, She's complaining about John, <laughs> which, she, which she never does. She never complains about John. And, uh, but, and I'm going like that. That actually is a way of uh, satisfying any kind of, uh, anything that's coming back from the, uh, to let them know that they can just keep going, that you're, you're going to agree with them. But really, you're, you're actually shutting down on what they're saying, because if you're receiving it, you probably aren't going to do much but just watch and observe and hear and listen and listen and watch the body language not to analyze it but if someone is moves their hands as they're talking from this way to this way they've actually changed gears yes is there uh, any type of body language which isn't buying into the uh, uh swapping of opinions but is acknowledging that you're still you know engaged in what they're saying i think it's simple not no affirmation situation happening or very little. It's not that you couldn't do that once in a while. You couldn't. If you, something comes up you actually agree with, mm -hmm. I see what you mean. You could even say that. It's, it's the kind of, you know, kind of, we've seen people on the news do this quite a bit. So that's when you uh, give the illusion that you're agreeing. Yes. If, that, if that's our tendency, um, would a way to work with that be... How do we work with it without just stopping it altogether? Oh, good, very good. So we don't want to just go in and stop it because then anytime you push down or stop something, it goes underground. What happens is that's just a manifestation. It's like called a symptom of the original ignorance that's happening. So what you do is you work with it with awareness. You don't just enhance the ignorance by being ignorant in a different way. You, you actually include, you include. If you can remember that word, it's a really a good one. Anytime anything comes up that's difficult, include. And the other one that I say, don't do, if you can help it, don't conclude. There's no reason to come to any conclusion about anything. You want some help with that? Yes or no? Knock it off. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Don't conclude. So the way I would say, to come back to uh, Junshu's question, the way I would say is, you're noticing that, uh, but what I would say is include aware your body awareness, include gravity. Include the sound of someone's voice. Include the colors that are around you in the room. Start to bring, start to include, and start to observe, and give your attention to everything that's showing up. 
you may feel, you may think that that's, that would be more confusing. Actually, it's not. And the reason it is not is, I have no idea, but it's not. More? Can you repeat what I said? Can you paraphrase what I said? Mm -hmm. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds familiar. <clears throat> David? When we're being, or seem to be dealing with someone who's trying to control us, how do, what, do, what do we include in that situation? Well, there's so many variables there in different controlling situations. There's so many different, whatever the relationship is, there's lots of different relationships where there's some kind of controlling going on. Say it's a work situation with a superior, you know, yeah, just up. Just, just include, just listen. Don't necessarily agree. You don't have to head bob to them. So this puts them on their, on their toes a little bit. If you don't, if you just look at them, just look at them and I'm not saying stare or be challenging. You can glance away a little bit so they don't get too nervous. We don't want them peeing their pants or something. <laughs> Somebody's as intimidating as you are, David. <laughs> so you would you would do it a little bit. You know, you would look at them. You would listen to what they were saying. You may nod a little bit. You may listen, uh, um, and, and without saying any or without uh, mo making any movements at all. And then at some point, you could inquire. You could say, uh, "How do you mean?" And then so that they have to kind of go over what they've just said. That's a very soft way of getting somebody to validate through repetition what they've just said. And you need to, if they can't say the same thing back to you and by paraphrasing it or saying it in some other way, then they, they're not even sure what they're even doing or what they're even, they're, there's no, they're not really, they haven't really uh, been, uh, are not even clear about it in the first place. An important thing I think is to stay uh, connected with them on some level without head bobbing or something. A little bit of a question, not interrogating, but just a little bit of a question to, Help them move around more. If you notice something um, about them imputing something of, of who you are, mm -hmm. then also the same, or is there something more you can work with with that? You wouldn't have to. Uh, you wouldn't have to particularly do anything with it at all. Just let them do that. You don't have to confirm it or deny it or do anything with it. See what they do with it. If you do not, they might, if, it depends on what it is, they might be expecting you to defend yourself, or they might be ex expecting you to disagree, or even maybe agree and say, I'm so sorry, I'll try not to do that, or whatever. But do nothing with it, especially if you feel like they're, that they're making stuff up or imputing. Shoto? Similar to Senshi's situation, noticing that you have like a mechanical head nod. Yes. Is being aware of that a lower level of receiving than not doing it? You mean if you're aware of your own head nodding? Yeah, I, I didn't necessarily say, I don't think, stop head nodding. I just said be aware. If you're aware of head nodding, it will just naturally slow down because it'll be, the nodding will be in, in relationship to the person, which could be very totally appropriate to what they're saying and what, how you're feeling about what they're saying. You could go like that. But quite often we see we see kind of a, an affirmation that that keeps the person from getting too close, and also keeps us from having to to look too closely at what's being said. But I don't feel like I answered all of your question. What was the other part of it? If you don't remember it, then I guess I'm off the hook. <laughs> yes. Um, the title of the talk was "When Concepts Crowd." Yes. And so, what is it that concepts crowd? 
So uh, thank you. So concepts or conceptual thinking or opinions, ideas, uh, analyses uh, can get in the way or have a tendency to get in the way of, of our seeing what is fundamentally there, what is fundamentally happening. As soon as we name something or judge someone, uh, the, the extreme form of this is called pre prejudice. As we, you know, uh, we're all white guys here. So uh, someone uh, with a different nationality or black skin comes in here, uh, then you know how much, you, you immediately know. You immediately know if you if there's prejudice happening there. I'm prejudiced. I was raised that way. I don't buy that. I don't believe it. But I, I can't help the emotion. And if you think you've gotten rid of your prejudice, you should probably look closer. Prejudice isn't something we get rid of. It's something we're really aware of, so that we don't we don't we take that conditioning. We don't uh, necessarily believe it or buy into it and act out of it because we're afraid of something. Just a misunderstanding. It's all over the place. People are always saying they're not prejudiced. Yes. Is the head nodding and shutting down an example of when you say mind and body aren't separate? Somewhat, yes. That's that's not where, where I'm getting at, going at with that. But that's that's just like I'm using my hands here to express something. Did you have something else, David? Do the uh, crowding concepts um, is that? something that generates prejudice or what what i'm not sure where that was going i think well what what i meant to say by that is sometimes we tend to tend to cling to the conceptual ideas about things which stops us from looking any further that's what i mean by uh the concepts uh, crowd in the in the heart sutra that you chanted tonight that's called walls of the mind the walls the the, the walls of the mind are the the structures in our thought process and in our mind that that show up that actually get in the way and stop us because we we stop right at that kind of literal conceptual knowing and then we add on to that the thought that that's what it is and so instead of going through that or a sitting practice of meditation we start to sense the space around the thought we might not get rid of the the prejudice or the bias right away but you'll There'll be a lot of space around it. And it's very uncomfortable for ego. Ego does not want to feel like a prejudiced person necessarily. It doesn't, doesn't want to have that negative kind of feeling. But you can't just, if you try to get rid of that because it doesn't, uh, it doesn't uh, because you can see that it's untrue, because it is locked in a lot lower level uh, in our uh, traditions called uh, the... Uh, the base consciousness or the Aliyah Vijnana. It's an area of consciousness that's very deep that we don't really have access to consciously. Sometime in the West, it's called the subconscious. So awareness, awareness, awareness. It's about being aware of that and then just being aware. Don't push on it. Don't pull on it. Don't shut down. Don't push on it, aggression. Don't pull on it, passion. And don't shut down or ignorance or prejudice. So just observe. And then you personally will see the way your mind works to shut down on some things and open up on other things based on uh, whatever kind of confusion you're dealing with. So, yes, I'm, um, I head Bob to my own internal programming. Stop that. <laughs> That's it. That's all. I'm done. <laughs> Come on. Keep coming. No, but that is true. It's like I need permission almost, you know, to, to, to stop it. But um, so I'm wondering... And, it's, and I know it's cultural programming. 
Like I'm supposed to be married. That's that's the head bob that I do. I'm supposed that. to be married. I'm supposed to be married. You mm -hmm. are married. Did you say? Yeah. <laughs> I'm supposed to be single. That can be arranged. Should I be head bobbing now? <laughs> I don't think that'll help. Probably not. <laughs> So the, what Anne-Marie is uh, talking about here is we're, we all have, maybe we don't have that one, but we have some kind of a, I should be, I should be, I, this should be, I shouldn't, this should be happening, or I shouldn't be. We all have one. Maybe it's totally different than anybody we know. We've got one where I should have gotten a degree. I should have, I should be a, uh, um, um, I should have invested in McDonald's years ago, which probably everybody feels that way a little bit. But this, uh, I should, or I should, I should be so totally in disagreement. To be in disagreement, or conceptually in disagreement with one's identity, what we call the ego mind, uh, this kind of identity, is actually affirms the uh, the ego rather than it, just because it's negative. I should be feels like negative. Well, that wouldn't be egotistical, would it? Yeah, it's a very subtle form of egotism to be always uh, uh, down on oneself or blaming oneself. Very subtle form of self-centeredness does that. It won't be too much longer and it'll flip and go the other way. Well, I'm not really to blame for that. So that's quite a bit of polarity. Do you have a question about that? Yeah, how do I let go of it? Because it's, it's not, I mean, I'm aware of it. I'm very aware of it mm -hmm. and it's annoying me. It's been annoying me for years. Yeah. And what well, you know intellectually or conceptually that's not true. Right. Okay. Yeah. Apparently it's got not deep enough. I mean, otherwise, because there's some kind of uh, some kind of clinging to it happening somewhere uh, deeply, and the recommendation from you know, not that I know exactly what's going on uh, with you. I'm not a psychologist. I'm a meditation teacher, but I would say, sit more, stretching the awareness so that you person, so that your awareness can drop down through those those uh, barriers, those conceptual barriers, because that's a conceptual barrier to seeing what it actually is. And you, you know, I'm not talking about going to psychology where we suddenly find out, well, it's because you were abandoned when you were a child or, right. you know, all that's, those. Uh, that's not where I'm at either. It's, it's, it's like just, it's like, how do I, how do I turn away from a culture that says I should have remarried? I'm ready to answer you. Okay, Stop trying to turn away. Don't do anything with it. To do anything with that substantiates that fuels it. It's just like you're hooking up. If it were a gasoline engine, it's just like you're pouring gasoline into the tank. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Don't agree with me too quickly. I got it. Also, even saying that is ignorance. If I may, if I may have permission to tell you. Mm -hmm. So how would you? How would you want me? Get a flat butt. Sit down and look at the floor. Look at the wall. Sit down, hold still, and watch that thing cycle around and around and around. We've all been here forever. We've been here for millions of years. Human beings. How long have human beings been here? How many? Too long. <laughs> <laughs> Might have known Dallas should say that. <laughs> so we've been here a long time, and we're and you're one of them. I'm one of them. So those kinds of things are very very deep. And so I would say, as much as you can, sit down and train your mind. You're, you already have the awareness. No compliment, particularly, but you already have the awareness that that's. It's not really very workable, and why is that big lump of whatever it is still plaguing you? And so that would be the temptation to want to get a hold of it, find the handles, find the exit ramp, 
you know, and chuck it and get rid of it. And that's a, that's a misunderstanding. And it's based on thinking that uh, phenomena are real. Phenomena are not real, nor are they, nor are they unreal. They are perception only. In this teaching, there is no perceiver, this person, and there's no, nothing perceived out there. There's just a perception. And it can take you a whole lifetime to understand that. But I highly recommend it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for letting me make fun of you. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, the concept of prejudice, uh, through being aware of our own prejudice, is it possible to diminish those prejudices, or is it simply through being aware of those? Good question. I, I think what it does is 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 it. Uh, the, 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 the prejudice uh, may go on and it may not, but it's dependent on past con causes and conditions, and we can't really get a hold of those because they're too, they're too much in the shadows and in the clouds. But we can see the prejudice, but if you just watch the prejudice, keep it, it's like, uh, it's like if you have a, uh, a pit bull, you've got to keep your eye on them. So you don't want to get rid of the pit bull, it's a really nice dog, but you better keep your eye on it because they're somewhat unpredictable. I know that's urban myth. I used to own one, so I know. So uh, maybe that's not a very good example, but it's, I'm saying if you watch it, if you keep your eye on it, then it won't get any, uh, what's the word, purchase. It won't, it won't be able to find the Velcro on you to, to actually stick to you, to make you feel like you've got to act on that, either emotionally, physically, vocal cords, that you've got to do something about it. So just keep, your, keep it there. And it'll, it'll, uh, you could say it this way, it'll keep you honest, and it'll help you help you to help others who are dealing with something that is maybe more out of uh, uh, out of sight or more taking them over. It'll help you talk to them and help them work with that in a skillful way that where they can actually begin to understand their prejudice rather than hide out from it, shove it under something, and claim that they're not prejudiced, which is uh, the most harmful kind of prejudice, probably in some way. Yes, sir. More. Thank you, Dallas. So safety the relative truth, um, and you say don't do anything unless you have to. Uh, when people's lives are at stake, or, or safety is at stake, and you, and you may need to make a decision, uh, how do you go about that? Uh, don't, don't worry too much about uh, ahead of time making a decision about something that hasn't happened. If you're, if you're here, if you're present, if you're in any present situation, and you're not operating out of hope and fear necessarily, or out of intense concepts about things, then then you can see you can see what's happening, and you you'll know exactly what to do. It's like if you're walking down the road and you and you there's traffic going by, and you see a a, a two year old running out between two buildings towards the road. You don't have to sit back and think, now do I have the right to interfere with this? Or this is someone else's child. I could get sued. Maybe they push the child out there and they don't want that child anymore. You know, you would go after that. You would save that child without even thinking. You would save that. I mean, just probably you could say almost anyone would do that. It would be a really, but there's no time for the thought process, the walls of the mind to get in the way of that. You put your own self in, in harm's way, as they say, to save that child. It's, just, uh, it's kind of an instinctual. Yes. Is this uh, close to describe as choicelessness? Yes. But choicelessness can also happen that's uh, uh, not in an emergency situation. You can be here sitting in a room and think about 
something that might be where a job has been offered to you. And if you think there's a fork in the road, you're wrong. I say this all the time, not just trying to be cute, because it's not very cute. But if you think there are choices, this is incorrect. It's incorrect. It's a, it, I'm not saying there isn't some kind of relative uh, rightness or wrongness about it. Of course there is. There's always that. That's why it's so difficult to understand this. But you, if you see, if you're completely aware of everything, if your awareness is, is no longer has walls of the mind and you're just present all the time, it's not a credential. You won't get a gold badge for it. You won't even know you're aware all the time. Someone else might notice that you're always in the room. Someone else might notice that you don't abandon anything or anyone. But when I say there's no, you think there's a fork in the road, you're wrong. I'm saying because what's happened is if you see the situation, you think there's, you could go that way or go that way. And you, and you, and you're confused about which way, if you know which way, then there's no fork. But if you don't know which way, then it looks like a fork. This is a, this is a, a, a strategy of ego or self-centeredness to create more feeling of self-centeredness or me, me, me and my terrible life where I can't decide what to do. If you, if you know what to do, uh, you will do it. It won't be a fork. And if you don't know what to do, you'll just not know what to do. Doesn't mean there's a fork. You just don't know what to do. Don't do anything unless you have to, as I say over and over and over again. That's what I'm pointing to there. Uh, yes. So would that mean that when there is a fork in the road, that our awareness, even though it's always there, it's crowded out through concepts? It's divided by concepts. Yeah, you're you're thinking about your life rather than living your life. I say, don't miss your life. If you're fearful, you will miss your life because you will you'll seal off. Uh, <laughs> we have a ride that we must catch. So we really, at nine o'clock? Yeah. It's always late. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it really always late? Huh? Is he always really? It's late? always late. Are they here? I can't imagine. He well, we don't be outside at nine. Yeah, we're kind of uh, committed. Well, why not? Why not? Uh, uh, yeah. Why don't you go out there and if uh, when they're there, let them know that you'll come in and get it. That way you can stay here. He's here all the time. He's got everything I say memorized. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So back to the fork in the road. If It's not saying that there couldn't be some choices. Of course, you could say, well, do we want to eat at uh, Denny's or do we want to eat at uh, McDonald's? Eh, McDonald's. No, no, don't eat there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We have those kind, but those are very simple kinds of things but when it when it comes down to uh, living our life we can kind of scare ourselves by that we don't know whether should i do this or should i and i say don't it, it, don't do anything unless you have to in this way you can relax where you're at and when the time comes up when the elevator when the elevator opens up you can get on it until the over, elevator opens up don't try to get on the elevator that's called an open shaft all the way down don't do it and to me this makes total sense and if it doesn't make sense to you Please ask me questions about it. It's a very, it's one that quite often people are caught up in, in choice and they don't understand choicelessness. There, there is no choice. If you want to see what I'm talking about, go and look in the mirror and say, and look and see how much choice was made already. Did you choose this? Did you choose these? Did you choose your eye color? Did you choose a human life? Did you choose to be a man, a woman? Did you choose to be, uh, uh, have this kind of uh, desires or wishes or hopes or propensities or intelligence or whatever? No, it just you just found yourself here. You were real tiny, and somebody started training you. Yes, is choiceless helpless? Only from the point of view of, of ego, it's helpless, and that's why it's necessary to begin to feel helpless because that's how the ego feels as it starts to lose traction and give up its its uh, its territory. 
It doesn't want to give up. So it starts to whine, starts to feel bad. It's losing ground. But realization of what this is is far from, excuse me, far from helpless. It is, it is uh, not separate. You realize you're no longer, nothing is, uh, there's no, no fear of anything anymore. You're not afraid of death. You're not afraid of life. You cannot be intimidated anymore. This doesn't mean you can't be irritated or somebody, you can't get mad at somebody or bark at somebody. You're, I mean, you haven't lost your humanity and become some kind of a, you know, um, some kind of deity. You know, you actually are, you actually can dance with your world. And sometimes that you can dance fast. Sometimes you dance slow. But you're present. You're here. You're living your life, not not trying to um, strategize to get more uh, dessert. Yes. How do we collaborate with life without concepts? Okay, go back to those three C's. You communicate first, and so how do you communicate? Communicate with your senses. Don't start right out with your thinking process. That's imitation communication. Well, that rhymes, doesn't it? <laughs> So, yeah, I'll have to remember that. So, but but start out with uh, how this feels, how this tastes, how your tongue tastes. You don't have to have a banana in your mouth. There's taste there. There's taste happening all the time. Don't abandon that. Don't abandon the sense of smell. Don't abandon the sense of seeing, the sense of touch, the sense of seeing color, the sense of when you hear someone, when you listen to someone talk the next time you hear someone talk, notice the space between their words, if there is any. Notice if they put periods on the end of their sentence, which is another way of saying, don't interrupt. Allow someone to complete their sentence and go, period, or else, question mark. Yes. Oh, you're scratching your eye? Do you have any questions, any questions about scratching the eye? <laughs> I don't think it's very funny either. <laughs> so... So yes. Collaborating with life. Yes. We communicate with life with our senses. Yes, that's the that communication starts, and then we can start uh, using uh, concepts. Then, then it's a, a little bit of a softer touch. We're here. We're present. We're in the room. We know the temperature of the room. We we feel our clothes. I'm not talking about uh, attaching to that and always staying with it. Don't cling to it. It's just a touch and go. Just touch on how this feels, and then let it go. Touch on how what's happening in your thought, your mind stream, and then, as I say, uh, don't attach. You don't have to really let go. Just the whole attachment thing is something that needs to be looked at. Any further questions? Any questions? Mm -hmm. How does choicelessness help others? It could because if you're operating out of choicelessness, you won't meddle with others. You won't interfere with their personal karma. You know, people have their karma. Their life. They're living their life. You need to mind your own business. When I say that, of course, if someone's in danger, someone asks you for help, of course, help them. But when, when some, if you don't have permission, just don't abandon them, don't run away, but stay with them, watch them, wait and see if they are, if they want your help. So if you come into this room, you give me permission to talk to you and tell you things and you listen, but you don't ever have to come back, go do something else. So in other words, don't, don't, don't meddle. Allow people to live their life. Allow people to actually allow people. This is something parents could use a few lessons in. Allow your children to stumble and fall so that they, they understand. I'm not saying you shouldn't, you couldn't come and catch them, rather than just saying. <laughs> you know, you could help them. So we're not trying to go the other direction and say, you know, throw them out of the ocean or something. <laughs> 
But you know, let let them let them run into things. Let them have some difficulty so that they can bounce around. So they have some kind of independence based on what, not on rules and standards and laws. They are not going to be able to understand laws and standards and rules and the laws of society unless they really understand laws and rules and standards in their own experience, which is prior to concepts, prior to to uh, uh, those structures. It has to happen in their experience. I still remember my one of my sons who's uh, and I wasn't thinking this at the time. I was just a bad parent, but uh, <laughs> I remember him running out the kitchen door when he was probably three or four in the snow with no shoes on or boots and running around out there. And I said, don't you want some boots? Or you want boots? I wasn't going to go out there after him. And, uh, and he didn't, didn't respond, just laughed and yelled and everything kept running around. Uh, he, he's turned out fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, thinking back on it, I, I remember thinking about, well, I don't know what it's like to, for, to be three years old and run around in the snow because my mother would certainly never let me to do that. But he was doing that and having a great time. I think he was Wim Hofing. <laughs> so, very good. Thank you so much. And I'd like to remind everybody about uh, this Saturday, the All Day, as I mentioned earlier. Please attend if you can. And also about our donation boxes that are in the hallway. We also accept donations on PayPal, checks in the mail. People from AFR can come to that if they wanted to. Debit and credit cards. Thank you. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being.